after realtor costs and after uh, closing costs on the front end and back end, I made it about $114,000, $115,000 on that flip. Welcome to the Big Picture Blueprint. I'm your host, Dan Habercost, along with Mason McDonald. And we're going to discuss all things land, real estate, and business in general with all kinds of exceptional people. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to the Big Picture Blueprint. I'm one of your hosts, Dan Abercost with Mason McDonald. And today, as a follow-up to our conversation on horror stories, we're going to talk through some of our best deals. Mason, how are you doing? I'm doing great. These are more fun to talk about. And uh, I like sharing these stories because it makes me feel really, really good and inflates my ego, uh, which is hard to do. But um, it's fun to show you know the, the proof in the pudding of what we do every day. Absolutely. So yeah, you want to kick it off? Heck yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start, you know, I, I wrote down three of my favorite deals that are all a little bit different, but man, I have to share my first deal. Um, my first deal, uh, still at this point from a cash on cash return perspective was my best deal. And it was the one that let me quit my job. So I had just gotten started in the business. I'd sent out mm, maybe 1200, uh, blind offers to Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Um, And if you guys have listened, you know I do a lot of business down in Pagosa. It's my favorite place in the world. Uh, I want to live there. I love vacationing there. My parents live there now. But I got a call back from a gentleman. Him and his business partners had bought this land 60 years ago. Um, This was in 2021, uh, whenever we were having this conversation. They had bought this land 60 years ago And this neighborhood that was intended to be developed was just, it never happened. So it was a bunch of land that was all square parcels, all two and a half acres, most of which were landlocked. But one of the parcels he owned, he and his partners owned three parcels. And one was the one that had direct access to the actual road. And then it kind of L-shaped, all contiguous. So we got to negotiating. I got to know him pretty well. I think I spent probably 30 hours on the phone with this gentleman. And I did not know any better. And I know you, you're raising your eyebrows because I think, Dan, that would uh, make you bash your head against the wall, um, having to Maybe. talk to sellers <laughs> that long. But I, I got to know him pretty well. A super nice gentleman, lived in New Mexico's, and two or three of the partners had passed away. He was in his 80s. He just wanted to get rid of it. All the other partners um, were willing to sell. And we came to an agreed upon price of $13,000 per lot. So... It was seven and a half acres, two and a half acres per lot, three three lots all contiguous. And so all in, whenever I ended up acquiring it in November of 2021, it was about $42,000 total, give or take. I don't have all the exact numbers in front of me, but this is what I remember to the best of my ability. So I closed, went on vacation with my wife and decided you know, you know, know, to quit my job because I saw how much this land was potentially worth. And whenever we put it on the market, um, we put it on the market at $200,000 in the spring of 2022. We got an offer for $195,000 within about 15 minutes on the market. And uh, they ended up backing out. So we relisted it. Uh, we got an offer for $185,000, 30-day close. And yeah, it it killed. So the numbers on that was I give my realtor a 10% commission you know, on the buyer and seller side. So after realtor costs and after uh, all closings costs on the front end and back end, I made about $114,000, $115,000 on that flip. I actually got the rest of my earnest money back 
last week, you know, almost well over a year later, uh, just from some survey work and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe $114,300, but yeah, total cash on cash return was just under 300%, 271% based on those numbers. And that deal uh, blew my mind, changed my life and made me realize the power of land flipping. If you can buy in a good location and have a very unique asset, um, that's going to make this business do so much better. I mean, it's a gorgeous property, sloping hills, heavily treed, overlooks uh, Echo Canyon Reservoir. They're very happy with it. And that property had been unavailable to anyone that wanted to enjoy it for 60 years. So it's really cool to get to pass on that legacy to the next person. But that's my first deal. That's my best deal. And that's my number one deal that I've ever done. And I love talking about that story. So it's been all downhill since then. It's been all downhill <laughs> since then. And you know, the thing is like, you know, downhill from that, it's still really, really good. But yeah. man, yeah. Wait, waiting for one of those deals, which I think you just had one of those deals or pretty similar yeah. to it. I did real quick though. Is there any, you know, I, I like what you say doing a postmortem. Is there anything you want to say about, you know, in hindsight, what about the, your marketing or that area or anything you can pull from that? Any useful pieces of information? Yeah. So I, I would love to say that that was all skill and that was very tactical on in my investment. I thought that property, those three properties were worth maybe 65 to 70,000 total. So I had very limited data on the amount of transactions because of those weird, strange lots, there hadn't been a lot of sales data. And part of the recognition of the value of it is there was an off-market sale the month before I purchased the three of them, the three lots for one lot south of mine for $155,000 for just one of those two uh, two and a half acre lots. And it had electric extended to it and had a little shed on it. So I, I knew mine was going to be less because the infrastructure wasn't in, in place in mine. But I think the biggest thing and the biggest lesson that you'll hear from me is do appropriate due diligence because I knew you could build on it, but there was a lot of bizarre stuff that at that point in time in the business, I did not know. And I spent almost all of my cash I had saved up on those lots. So, and I quit my job before I sold it. So it's, you know, <laughs> everything you hear, it's kind of like, I, I did it wrong. I would not approach a deal like that in a similar capacity. Um, now I will approach deals like that if I go to the land and I get a good feel for it. You know, there is that gut feeling that it's like this is in a beautiful location. It's confirmed that it's usable. You know, even though there's not a lot of data to suggest exactly what it's worth. So sometimes those gambles and those risks are worth it. But no, I I think I think looking back, I wish I had gotten comps prior to because I did no comps on that property because I kept trying to find it myself. So I wish I had talked to the realtor I ended up using prior to purchasing it, which is something I do now. But there there was a lot of luck involved uh, in that transaction. So try not to do anything in a luck capacity unless it's a very limited inventory market in a desirable area, if that makes sense. That's what I was looking for. Yep. Yep. Because the deal I'm about to talk about is the same thing where it is in an area of massive demand with almost no available inventory. And so we're going to scroll across the country to Southern Florida, Homestead. Uh, and for anyone who doesn't know where that is, it is Southwest of Miami, still within Miami-Dade County. And to give you a picture, you have the Everglades surrounding it kind of on, you know, two, almost 270 degrees. And then to the Northeast, you have Miami, which is expensive and built out 
And so there is a very limited amount of land because, of course, you can't build on the Everglades. There's a lot of government-owned land over there. And then in the other direction, you have just the expensive city. And we got this lead last November from Mailers to Palm Coast. We bought a lot in Palm Coast from two sellers. And then they had this other lot in Homestead, Florida. And this one was a challenge because there really were no cops. And this is where a subject matter expert comes in because if it weren't for Dan, our realtor, I think I would have been too scared to buy this because there's just no comps. But he goes, hey, that area is in high demand. And if you have any sort of land there, I expect it will sell. And of course, he double checked that and called around, went and looked at it in person, but he expected to sell 90-ish. And uh, we negotiated with them for quite a while. And because it was an unusual piece of land, we started at 25 and they said, no, 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 no way, no way. And we went back and forth and they were at 60. And long story short, over the course of eight months, some of which they disappeared and ghosted us. And we got it locked up in this June of this year at 45,000 plus closing costs. So all in, I think 46,300 or 46,500 was the total basis. And our realtor, Realtor Dan goes, you know what? There's nothing there. So let's just throw it up at 129. I have never in my life seen this much demand for any piece of real estate. My acquisition manager put it up on Facebook and Craigslist and then Realtor posted it. My Realtor posted it at 10 p.m. And the next day he told me, Dan, I got a bunch of inquiries last night, last night. And and, and my AM woke up with dozens and dozens and dozens of inquiries. People saying, hey, I'm, I'm driving there now. Let me make it all. I mean, crazy. So Long story short, within two days, we had it under contract at 130500 with 10000 non-refundable and a 15-day close. And oh my no due diligence period. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, so, I, I'm looking at where this is, Dan, because I, I, I didn't know where it was. I mean, that location just makes so much sense. So, like, what, why was there so much demand? You know, I, I know where, you know, you haven't closed on it yet, right? Uh, to sell it, no. We closed to buy it, but with ten thousand non-refundable. If he doesn't want to close, great. I'll keep that. I'll sell it to someone else. I oh, hope he doesn't close. But, but you're you're, you're going to close in like a week or so. Um, you yeah. know, for when yeah. when this episode comes out. But you know, what? Why was there now that the realtor has you know received all the offers and everything? Why do you think this piece of land was so you know particularly special? You know what I think it is is that you have Miami right there, which. All of Florida has seen tremendous growth, pretty much most of Florida, not all. Uh, and Miami, especially, huge companies have moved there. Some big names have moved there. I mean, billions and billions of dollars have gone there. And so it makes the whole area around it also appreciate open value and desirability. You know, Port St. Lucie's gone crazy on the other side. Uh, and so it, the, the, the land close by is in high demand. And one thing, uh, detail I should have given already is, this was not land that you can build a house for. You would have needed to get a special use permit. It's ag. And so parking and storing equipment was the main usage. And so here you have a massively uh, or extremely expensive big city with huge amounts of money. You have tons of people that want an affordable piece of land to go just park their equipment on. You know, we had some people that wanted to park their RVs and just hang out there on the weekend. We had some people... They wanted to park their equipment, which is the use the buyer is using it for. Um, but to answer your, your question succinctly, it's follow the money. A massive amount of money has gone to Miami, and this is on the outskirts. And then combine that 
with a massive restriction on supply, being that you have the Everglades and then just a few parcels left in this little area. And so you just have a huge amount of capital fighting over a small amount of available inventory. And that's how you get this result. I mean, it makes so much sense. And I, I just looked at Homestead, Florida, um, mm-hmm. and there's such limited land inventory on the market right now. And, you know, the 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 thing is, you've got the nail on the head where it's a very interesting market. And I think you priced it just looking at it or your realtor priced it in, at a amount that's good amount lower than what's available on the market, which is really nice too, because the margins were insane. And, you know, I'm looking at one for 250 grand, 0.38 acres, but it's, you know, a lot more than that. And being able to price effectively like that in an area that, you know, it's in between my Miami and the Florida Keys. I spent my summers growing up in the Florida Keys and we lived in an RV in the Florida Keys every July for quite a while. And so the amount of people that I know you can't find lots to rent, you know, in the Florida Keys to store your RV because, you know, it's on the coast and, you know, it's very, very expensive. If you're spending a grand a month to do it, buying a piece of land for 130 grand, you're saving money. So that's, that's a cool deal. That's a cool deal, especially since it's not technically buildable. Yeah. Yeah. We got an offer for 140K after we're running under contract. So if he wants to not close, I am super okay with that. So. Oh yeah. No. And we'll, we'll take that money, go out to dinner or something and, uh, yeah, you know, take your... And then, and then you'll get an offer for 140k. No, that's such a cool deal. That's such a cool deal. Um, yeah. So what? One of my other wins, and it, it's actually very similar to the first one, but why I consider it a win is because it was one of those moments that I will, I think, remember for the rest of my life. From I, I hate to say it, but me just crushing it from a negotiation standpoint. And it's not like some masterful thing or anything like that. It's actually the opposite. So this is in Douglas County, Colorado. It's in a small community called Sedalia in the West Creek Lake subdivision. Um, I actually still own you know land right there, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But I'd sent blind offers to you know everyone in Douglas County, and I think I had offered this gentleman. This guy owned two pieces of land, each were about two acres, give or take, and I had offered him forty five thousand dollars per lot. And he called me and said, "Hey, I'm." you know, are you legit? Are you real? And, you know, I told him, yeah, I'm the real deal. I'm Mason McDonald uh, with RM Golden. And, uh, you know, I buy lots of land and he said, you know, why are you interested? And I'm like, oh, it's in a growing area. It's in a pretty neighborhood, all this kind of stuff. And so um, we got to talking, developed some rapport for a little while. And he, uh, he told me, you know, he's wanting to sell both of them. Uh, he had plans to build a retirement home, but him and his wife were having some health issues and living at that high of an altitude just wasn't going to work. And he told me, he was like, Mason, you know, you, you seem like a good person. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really know how much my land's worth. And, you know, I think you offered too high. And I said, all right, what would you think is fair? And I shut up and it was silent for probably a minute to a minute and a half. And that's not me like projecting or trying to, uh, you know, be grandiose in it, but it was, it was pure silence for a minute, minute and a half. And if you've ever been quiet on the phone for a minute or a minute and a half, it's awkward. And I don't get awkwarded out. That was an awkward, awkward moment. And he said, after about, you know, 60 to 90 seconds, he said, I could do 20 grand a lot. And I said, perfect. And this once again was one of those complex areas where there had not been a land sale in that neighborhood in three years. So I had no idea how much it was worth. 
but I had gone and seen the land myself. Um, there's a private fishing lake in the neighborhood. There's beautiful multi-million dollar homes in the neighborhood. It's a retirement community. It's Sedalia, Colorado is known for its off-roading. So there's tons of people, you know, that have four wheelers and ATVs and all sorts of different off-road vehicles. And, you know, we, we bought those properties, didn't know quite how much they were going to be worth. And at, at the same time, right after we closed, someone else put some lots on the market at 65 and 85,000 each, and they were much, much, much smaller. And so we said, let's test the waters. We put them on the market at $119,000 each and ended up, uh, I've sold one of them at this point in time. Uh, I sold it for 81,000, uh, which, you know, some people would be like, well, that's way less than what you listed it for, which is fine. And I don't care because if you remember, I paid 20 grand for it. I got a survey done. So all in my costs on it were, you know, about 24,000, uh, per lot. And I sold it for 80, one of them for 81,000, um, which my net profit based on that individual lot was 47,738. So if you subtract the other lot that I also paid about 24 grand after closing costs and surveys, I still made 23,000. And so I own it free and clear, both of them now, uh, or well, the, the one that's left and we have it on the market for 99,500 and I can sell it owner financing. I could sell it and just, you know, get, you know, 80, 90, 70, 50. I don't care at this point in time, but I think why I consider that one a win is not because, you know, I'm the the mystic with the the crystal ball that knew that that property was going to sell for so much more because once again it was it was a gamble that property could have sold for you know 21,000 or 14,000 or 200,000 but it was because i learned in that moment the true importance of silence during a negotiation and that right there is so powerful and i really i'm i hope you guys recognize that the less you talk in a negotiation the better because people are going to talk themselves into deals. And whenever you develop rapport effectively with a seller, they're going to want you to win. They know you're going to make money on this deal. And so utilize the word fair and be silent. And man, that's what I really learned on that particular one. Oh, I'm glad you said that. I was waiting for you to drive that point home because one of the most common conversations I have coaching my acquisition guys is just you need to be asking good questions and then shutting up. And and one of my favorites is simply, can you do any any better? I'm just waiting. Same thing. So it's the like same thing. So yeah, no, great point. Awesome deal. That's fantastic. So you're just playing with house money on the new one or the second one, excuse me. Uh, so yeah, that right there exemplifies why land investing is fun. Exactly. Well, and, and that's the thing is sometimes I get stressed about it and you know, it's like, well, it's been on the market for a while now, you know, when is it going to sell? And the thing is markets change. And whenever you're in limited inventory markets, you have to adjust your expectations where sometimes a limited inventory market means exactly what, you know, both myself and Dan experienced with, you know, the initial deal with the one I just talked about my first deal. And then what Dan just spoke to, but it also means whenever you have limited inventory, you might have a limited buyer pool who is happy to pay that premium because there's nothing else on the market, but you you also have to look at, okay, well, for, for me in Sedalia, Colorado, it's, there's not a lot of jobs out there. You know, it's close to Woodland Park and it's very close to, you know, Castle Rock and everything. It's Douglas County, Colorado, but the only thing is there's a mountain range in between it. So, you know, it's three hours to, you know, go around the other way, but you just have to adjust your expectation with your timelines around some of these properties, because the thing is, I have a limited inventory 
you know, deals that sometimes take six, nine months, 12 months to sell as versus ones that will sell in minutes. And, yep. you know, Dan, I feel like you hit, hit the nail on the head with your particular property on that deal. But what, what, what's your next, next favorite deal or one of your other wins? Yeah, I, I have so many that I want to talk about, but let's talk about Cokedale. So this is a lot that I bought years ago in uh, Pueblo West, Colorado. It was a one acre R5, meaning multifamily lot. And uh, I sent mailers to its actually list. And uh, these were lots that had multiple years of tax liens. You have to have at least three to take the lot over. So the point being, these were getting close to actually being taken from the owner by the investors who owned the tax liens. And so that's great. You can go buy tax liens and get land or housing or any sort of asset that's behind on the taxes that way. But going to the owner and saying, hey, if you're about to lose this, I can pay the taxes, give you something, and then you get something out of it as opposed to getting nothing. It's a great source of deals. And so that's how I bought 174 Cokedale for $13,500 plus some back taxes. I think totally my basis was fifteen five, So it wasn't much. And uh, that was sold at 38 before I even closed on it. And uh, I sold it on terms and she put 15 or 16 down and uh, pays me $499 and some chains every month at, uh, I forget the interest rate, uh, for years and years. And so that one, pretty straightforward, pretty simple, but I, I like it because I, I wanted to emphasize the, the tax leads. Uh, that is a great source of good land deals is finding those that are on the tax list. Dan, what's a tax lien? So if I own real estate, I have to pay property taxes on it. This is true. Yeah. True of all real estate. There's a few exceptions, but so if you don't pay those, then you get liens put on your property by the local government, by the treasurer. And this varies from place to place. But in Pueblo County, Colorado, if you don't pay, every year they have a tax lien sale where an investor can come and buy that lien, essentially giving the county their tax revenue. And then you get a interest rate on what you put up. And so if that uh, owner ever wants to make the property current, they have to pay you plus interest back. And now if you buy tax liens on a property for three years in Pueblo County, you can actually apply for a treasurer's deed where the property is transferred over to you. The prior owner loses it and you have a new property. Now there's some nuance to that. Uh, look up quiet title and what goes into that, but that's beyond the scope of this conversation. Uh, so tax lien lists are an excellent source of deals. That's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, similar to kind of, you know, one of our previous episodes about aligning your marketing to the uh, individuals you're attempting to target. And if people, you know, in certain markets like, uh, you know, Pueblo, Pueblo West or something like that, which is not exactly a rural community, but a little bit more rural, um, and you target people within that particular market from a tax lien perspective, you're, you're going to be able to hit, you know, hit more home runs. It, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, your, your scope of the audience is really good. And I think you might get a little more emotion tied to the deals and everything like that, because usually people don't stop paying their property taxes unless they're in, you know, difficult or challenging situations a lot of the time, but man, that's a great deal. And, you know, it's you playing with house money of, you know, if you, you said your basis on that, I think, was fifteen five, and you said they put down a deposit of around fifteen or sixteen thousand. Do you have a realtor involved in it? No, no. So perfect. You didn't have to pay a commission or anything like that. So you got all, if not 
write around all of your money back and then you get you know cash flow like that where you know with your rentals Dan how much money do you have to put in to a rental property to get four or five hundred bucks a month yeah quite a bit quite a bit yeah <laughs> so, that's cool yeah that's cool mm-hmm. um one of the, one of the other deals um that I want to talk about that this to me was a really great deal because I not quite had one as just like clean and clear cut as this uh, which is why I'm super jealous of you, Dan. Um, so th- this one was, there were some Texans. Uh, they were relatively, they owned land in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. It was a, I don't know, quarter acre, half acre lot or something like that in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. I had sent them just a postcard, neutral letter, got them on the phone and developed rapport with them because they were Texans. I'm from Texas. And, uh, you know, we we came to an agreement at 20000 which is pretty much exactly what they paid for it in 1998. And for me, I had talked to my realtor. He said, you know, this is a clean cut one end of the cul-de-sac, nice neighborhood, has a lake in the neighborhood again. Um, we can list it at 45,000. We should be able to move it pretty quickly. So with that property, it was just the most simple transaction that I'd ever done. I bought it for 20. I think it cost like 21.5 total after closing costs with the hold open policy within once again, a few hours on the market, uh, or maybe it was a few days. It's hard to remember. Um, you were with me. It was, yeah. 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 I think, yeah. You were with me whenever I got the call and he, yeah, my realtor called me as we're like going up the mountain. Um, and we're about to go skiing and he said, Hey, got a cash offer, 43,000, 14 day close, you know, 5k earnest money. And, uh, you know, the, the survey and due diligence period is like one day because they knew. It was builders that were going to buy it uh, right at the end of the cul-de-sac where homes are selling on average, you know, five or 600,000 per home. So if you do your, your basis on the land, you know, it's just the most simple bread and butter transaction. And that right there is just, I think, Dan, you kill it with these deals. Those, those deals right there, um, you know, may, maybe the margins might be different, you know, depending on it. You know, I, I got uh, 69% cash on cash return um, on this deal, but it was from... Uh, point of contact with the seller to close on the acquisition side to close on the sale side. I think it was a total of like 24 days. And I mean, so if you you annualize that return where my cash was gone for 14 days, you annualize that return and it's, uh, that's a, <laughs> what is it? I, I can't even do that math. 1 billion percent cash on cash return, annualized return. So, uh, that one's one of those ones. It's simple. There's nothing sexy about it. It just was, it was a good lot in a good neighborhood that I got at what I knew was less because I verified it where one of those right there. And I, I've got plenty more of those right there, but that one right there was just one that stuck out. And I think it's because I closed the deal on the mountain, but man, those ones are nice. Those one, those really fast ones are really nice. Yep. Yep. No, that's awesome. And, and kind of as a corollary, one of the deals I wanted to talk about is a new build. 730 East Cabaret Lane. And a lot of the reason I want to talk about it is because it fits so perfectly into the systems I had set up. My acquisition manager got this lead fall of 2021. It was, we were buying it as that road was being paved by the overarching developer doing the builds around the area. Uh, He owned most of the lots. There were a few sporadic ones owned by private owners, this being one of them. So land is getting here a lot of, or excuse me, Road is getting repaved right as I'm buying it. Uh, we're getting it at 17. It was worth 30 to 35. And uh, I thought, great, let's put a house on it. And 
I already had plans from my designer that we'd been using for years. So he just had to do the plot plan and have my engineer do the foundation on that specific lot with the soil quality. So just went right through the system. They knew what to do. Very little input from me. My contractor built the same house that he was had been building for me for years. And I probably put mm, less than 10 hours into this total. I mean, I, I'm not, I am not exaggerating. Probably five or six hours. Where I'm really, the only real thing I had to do was calling some of the utility companies. The owner has to do it to get the hookups. And all in, five or six hours of work. This closed July, I think, 1st last year. So bought the land, I think it was November, October 2021. Closed with a three-bed, two-bath, two-car garage house on it, about 1,500 square foot, 398 sales price. And I netted just shy of $57,000 with five or six hours of work. And people in new construction know that's not a fantastic margin, but the significance of it is that I did almost nothing. And that's why there is as much margin because I just pay someone to build the house for me. I don't build it. And so that was a great deal because it just so simply went through the system. It felt like uh, I did almost nothing. And then one day, a decent sized check came in. So that's a good one. That's beautiful. And, and, and that's the thing right there where, you know, in terms of a new build, that's about as passive as you can get being in a position, you know, without a gigantic team underneath you where... I mean, I think my takeaway from that, and I, I want to hear if you know it's your your main takeaway from it too, is or not main takeaway, but one one of the takeaways that I really got was if the city or the county or some other developer or builder is going to do the work for you, meaning the road was getting done for you, those those are great because yes. you know it just reduces your cost where. You know, I think about it from the standpoint of, you know, anything that is free or done for you, and that can be applied to so many things. We've talked about it before of, you know, property tax bills are coming out. Use property tax motivated marketing materials because then you're getting free marketing. You're getting hit. You're going to hit them twice. And that right there, you know, they're they're doing a lot of the horizontal work for you where, you know, and, and a lot of times that's the only way it can be done is if if the city comes in and does it. And so. That's one thing too. You have a beautiful story, but that's something that can be a horror story where there's so many times where I've almost bought land at a huge discount and recognize there's zero development potential because, you know, until the city comes in, you're not going to be able to do anything. But that's a that's a cool one. Yeah. And a point I wanted to make, uh, so follow the big guys, right, is kind of the, the moral there. But p- part of that is they were building houses at 420 and up. And so I was slightly smaller at 399. Actually, I think I listed at 395. And so that was part of the strategy. A lot of people wanted to buy down there, but I was a little bit cheaper than all the other houses going up. And so that went under contract three or four months before it was done. There you go. And you know that it, it's a similar strategy you hear of you never want to have the most expensive home in a neighborhood. But being able to if if you're efficient with your processes and you can operate in a lean method and what's so nice about land, you know, we talk about exit strategies a lot in this show. And being able to build on the land, so you already got your land at a lower cost. If you can develop and build, or you can build it effectively at a lower cost, then you can price it at a lower cost. So it's it's not about penny pinching and trying to get every last dollar a lot of the time, because if you're annualizing your return, you being able to move it as soon as it was done 
gives you a greater return than if you had priced at ten thousand or fifteen or twenty five thousand dollars more, and it took eight months longer or something like that. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's all math, but yep. And I think it you know ties into mindset of you know property sitting on the market for a long time. I think is kind of inherently stressful for those of us that are new to the business, and you know. You know, I, I consider myself brand new to this business. I've only been doing it two years now. And, you know, I think a lot of people are comfortable with, you know, sales cycles taking a long time, but when properties sit on the market for a long time, it stresses me out. And if you can price it effectively, you're going to feel better, which is always good. Yeah. yeah. We did three each. Um, I, I think we could keep going for more and more and more. Um, you know, I'm looking at the list right now and I've got tons of deals similar to this, these ones that we've talked about, some that are better. Uh, some that are worse that are, you know, still grand slam, you know, grand slams or, you know, singles and doubles and everything. And, you know, sometimes you got to get on base with a bunt, but I'll stop with all the baseball analogies. Dan, is there anything else you want to leave, leave the listeners with? No, no, I think that's good. And, you know, you mentioned luck at the beginning and this last deal that I just, the homestead one I talked about, is kind of lucky, but it's amazing how when you continually participate in anything, you tend to get lucky. If I'm always showing up, if I'm sending hundreds of thousands of mailers over years and years, I'm going to get lucky. And so I will leave uh, them with that. Mic drop moment. Mace McDonald and Dan Haberkus with the Big Picture Blueprint. See y'all soon. And that's it for today's episode of the Big Picture Blueprint. If you found it helpful, please share it with your friends or anyone you think that it could benefit. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. And we'll see you in the next episode.